This Bible teaching comes to you from the Apostolic Church All Nations Centre in Kennington, London. Here now is Pastor Edwin Bajomo with the Word of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I will sing. I think it wasn't convincing enough. Turn to your neighbor and say, I will sing. Hallelujah. I will sing. Even in my darkest hour, through my sorrow and the pain, I will sing. You know, it's easy to sing when things are going right. You know, you're a lady, you've been expecting somebody to propose and they propose. I bet you will sing today in church. You've been waiting for that big contract to come. I bet you will sing. Hallelujah. You've been waiting for that bonus from work and it came this week. I bet you will sing. Hallelujah. But when things are tough, when things are hard, maybe you've even heard the sad news, it's hard to sing. But by God's grace, we will sing. Amen. You know, before I go into my talk, many of you know that as a church, we've been looking at this old theme of admonishing, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And in this month of August, we're going to continue with the same theme. But before I go, I just want to reel out some gospel music statistics. It said that about 215 million people have listened to Christian songs in the past month. Another um, statistic says that gospel music or Christian music is considered one of the fastest growing areas in recorded music history. And then finally, it says that total music sales are more than half a billion dollars annually. Why am I rolling out these statistics? It says that gospel music or Christian music is around us. It's important, and people are engaging with it. But I want to pray that we will engage it with it better. And based on this um, sermon thing that we've been listening to, many of us, I believe, have been blessed, and we have been challenged. Now, I was blessed last week when somebody told me that they're going to go and check their playlist to see whether that song has purpose and meaning. For me, that's a good thing to hear, that people are starting to think about what they are listening to when it comes to gospel music. And many of you will agree with me that singing gospel songs has a very important role to play in our Christian walk with God. It's very important as well. And we need to sing these songs, the hymns, and everything. So let's go to the text we've been looking at for the benefit of those who may be joining us and to those online as well. In Ephesians 5, verse 18 to 20, the Bible says, And do not, forget, do not get drunk with wine, in which there is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your hearts to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to our God, the God and Father. Then the next text is um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, where it says, Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another again in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, when it comes to subjects like this, I always like us to go back to why are we considering this subject? Why as a church are we considering this subject? Now, some of them have been mentioned, but I just want to remind us. One is to obey the spiritual injunction from the text. The text said, do what? 
sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So we want to obey them. And whenever God asks us to do something in his word, it's for our own benefits. I just want us to make a note of that. Also, it's to deepen and enrich our spiritual walk, as well as our relationship with the Lord. You see, as we start to seek the hymns, the psalms, and the spiritual songs, it helps us deepen our relationship with God. We can go to higher realms and also to access heights and depths of the things of God. You know, there are depths and heights in God. And, you know, when we start to sing um, psalms, hymns, and spirituals, they will help us access it. And I pray we will start to do that. But also to create the right spiritual environment and atmosphere where spiritual gifts will be unleashed. I like the word unleashed, but or released amongst us to the glory of God. You know, as we get into it, as we sing genuinely, the hymns, the psalms, and the spiritual songs. The presence of God comes. Hallelujah. And the spiritual atmosphere is changed. I don't know whether you sense that the spiritual atmosphere this morning has changed. As we start to sing spiritual songs and hymns. You know, when I hear that song, God, God, you are awesome. If it wasn't for your love, if it wasn't for your grace, I don't know where I would be without you, Lord. I hope that song has meaning. Hallelujah. If not for the grace of God, where go I? But not only that, we want to lift Jesus higher. The Bible says if we lift him higher, he will inhabit our praise. That means he will come and engage and commune with us. But more importantly, the reason why we consider this subject is to let the glory of God be manifested in our lives and as a congregation. So my main text is this. It's from Psalm 104. Verse 33 says, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Can you read that with me, please? I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Now, some of you are very gifted in English grammar and say, what's the difference between both lines? You know, in Jewish poem, they do what they call parallel parallelism. That means they will repeat the same thing to emphasize the point. And the point the psalmist here was trying to emphasize is that he will sing. And the good thing about it, he wasn't setting any condition for himself. The only condition he set for himself to sing to God, to praise God, is that while he's still living, while he still have his being, he will sing. And, you know, yesterday, when Pastor, uh, last week, when Pastor Zaki was closing the service, he said something, he said, there is a need again for Kennedy to sing. Hallelujah. I pray that we will sing. And so that's the theme. And I've got two objectives. One is to encourage us to be intentional in our singing of psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And also to point out some of the things that we stand to gain when we do this, that's benefit for us. And I would like to highlight just four, many. Some of the speakers will have highlighted few in the past. So what do I mean, I will sing? Somebody will say, but Edwin, we've been singing already today. We sang during praise and worship. We sang during the offering. Please let me land, okay? And then you can question me at the end. So when I talk about the fact about I will sing, this is what I'm talking about. Singing by vocalizing our psalms, hymns, and spiritually inspired songs. Not any song. That comes from an understanding of knowing who God is, what he has done, and what he's capable of doing. That's what inspires our singing. It's coming from an un- a place of understanding. You see, the danger sometimes is that when we come to the presence of God, because the worship leader is there, they're telling us what to do. Raise your hand. Do this. Do that. 
But when you have an understanding of who God is, you will sing. When you, want, you have an understanding of who he is and what he has done for you and for people around you, you will sing. When you know what God is capable of doing, you will sing. I don't want to speak ahead of myself, but when you look and listen to some of the hymns, it's based on the experience with God of what God has done and what he's capable of doing. And when we see some of those songs like, we make a miracle worker, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. They are coming from a place of experience, of understanding who God is and what he has done and what he's capable of doing. And so when we sing genuinely these songs and spiritual songs, it helps us to respond to God for what he has done for us. Not only that, it helps us to show our gratitude to him. And more importantly, it is a spiritual activity. It's, you see, the danger is that we've seen praise and worship sometimes in church as something that we put on the agenda. And even somebody will say, you know what, I will come in after praise and worship. Oh, they'll be doing praise and worship. No, it is an important part of our spiritual sacrifice. And then when I talk about the fact that I will sing, the psalmist was intentional about it. That this is his determination that I will sing irrespective of the situation or circumstances I'm going through. Now, when it comes to I will sing, for me, there are five key components. And some of them you may have heard even in previous messages. Number one is the voice. We need to vocalize it. You know, sometimes people come to church and when they are praising the no, vocalize it, sing. Sing, come on. Not only that, you require the spirit. He said, be filled with the spirit. And that's why the Bible also said in John chapter 4, I think verse 24, when, when Jesus was engaging with the Samaritan woman, he said, God, the Father is seeking for such people, people who will worship him in spirit, and it will because God is spirit. Again, the word of God. You see, when you have an understanding of God's word, and then you start to sing hymns, you start to sing psalms, and you start to sing spiritual songs, it makes more sense. It makes more sense. Because when you say, like when we're singing during the offering, uh, I'm more than a conqueror. If you've read Romans chapter 8, verse 32, you say, we are more than conquerors through him that what? Loves us. It makes sense. Not only that, the heart. Hmm, the heart. He said, make melody in your heart. You know, I was listening to the morning prayer meeting yesterday, and they were asking the question, what is it to make melody in your heart? Now, if you look at the word melody, it's about music, making pitches and rhythm. But when you put the art in the equation, is that you're talking about the seat of emotion, intellect, and will. That means when your heart synchronizes, you're making music to the Lord. That's why nobody will tell somebody to cry when they're singing certain song. Nobody will say, lift up. I will lift my hands to you because your word is... Nobody will tell you because everything is synchronized together. Your heart is making melody to the Lord. I will tell you a story. There was a man. One day he was coming from church. He went for evangelism. And he got home. And his wife was singing in the kitchen, wrap me in your hands, wrap me in your hands, Lord. And the, the, the scene was so beautiful. So, and the guy just stood there looking. And then the wife turned to him and said, oh, by the way, I'm not singing to you, <laughs> that I am singing to the Lord. I'm singing to the Lord. And the man said, I know. You're not singing to me. But it was a beautiful scene. And the reason why I made that story is this. 
Our target of singing is to God. It's to the Lord. It's not to any man. You, you see, you don't impress anybody when you are singing. It's to God. And I just want to say this to young people. You don't impress your parents because, you know, maybe they will question you at home and say, oh, did you engage in praise and worship? No, you are singing to the Lord because you have a relationship with him. That's why you can come to that place and say, wrap me, oh Lord, in your hands. Hallelujah. So those are the components. And then it will beg the question when I'm talking about I will sing. What should we sing then? What should we sing? I think it's obvious from the text. We sing Psalms. Hymns and spiritual songs. We sing what? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual song. Now, let me just take the time out just to explain some of them before I go into my main message. So when we talk about Psalms, um, in the Hebrew, it means Safa Tehilim, which means book of praises. And then in the Greek, it's Samao. That's where we get the word Psalms, which is book, songs of praise. And Psalms are religious uh, poems and songs to music. So when you are reading the Psalms, though we like to pray the Psalms, there are poems that are written to music. Some of you, you've heard this from here about songs of accent, that is, songs that people sing when they're going to the temple. Just imagine lots of people going to the temple in Jerusalem and they are singing, I will lift up my eyes to the hills for whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Hallelujah. It's a beautiful thing. But for me, when we sing the Psalms, it's good to know that it helps us to express and encourages the reader to praise God. It opens our hearts and minds to the wonders of God. Hallelujah. You know, it presents a picture of, of a God who cares. I like Psalm 8 when it goes to say, when I consider your works, the works of your hand, the sun and the moon and the stars that you've made, what is man? Generically, that you are mindful of him. What is the son of man that you care for him? I don't know whether you've read it, but if you know, you can hear it now that you have a God, you're serving a God who is mindful of you, who cares for you. Now, maybe the situation and the circumstances you're going through, you may be doubting, but I want to encourage you this morning that you will have that feeling in your heart and mind that you serve a God that cares for you, that is mindful of you. Hallelujah. Not only that, it helps us to give thanks to the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. It shows us a portrait of worship. Now, years ago, when I was in high institution, we had a big crusade. And there was this guy who came to sing. I think it's um, Pana Pastor Paul. He sang from Psalm 95. I think um, Brother Joseph started he read one and two, but if you read three and four, he says something like this. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord and make it. For he is our God, and we are his people, his pasture. Hallelujah, and the sheep of his hand. You know, what a picture of worship. That's what the Psalms help us to do, that we can start to see God in this great picture. But also, he paints the picture of a repentant soul. When David came to God in Psalm 51, verse 1, he said, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your faithfulness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Wipe out my wrongdoings. Wash me thoroughly from my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. Maybe somebody needs to sing that and pray that this morning, that God will just have mercy on you. For it is great. And forgive you your sins and transgression. Again, it helps us to react to hopeless situations. You know, 
if you read the Psalms, you will see many hopeless situations the Psalmist were. But it helps us. You know, when he says, hallelujah, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. You know, Pastor Lockhart, when he was breaking bread, made mention of the fact that there is no hopeless situation when it comes to God. Hallelujah. Let's be hopeful. But for me, I like this. It helps us to enter the presence of God. If you read Psalm 100, I will read it. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord of the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his court with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His desperate love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. I don't know what happens inside of you when you hear that. When you were coming to church this morning, did you enter God's place? This place with singing in your heart and thanksgiving. That's what God wants us to do. And that's what the psalm will help us to do. Now, let's look at the second one. We are encouraged to sing hymns. And if you look at the Bible, there are several passages that talk about singing hymns, apart from our text. Even Jesus Christ in Mark chapter 14, verse 26, sang hymns before going to Mount Olive. And hymns are, hymns are formal and traditional songs, which are sung by the congregation in praise of God, in public or in private. So hymns are not restricted to church. To corporate worship in our own private devotion, we must get into singing of hymns. And I want to say this. Hymns are composed by gifted and people who are spiritually deep. I don't know whether you've taken time out to read some of these hymns. Out of their experience, they've written things. And you could see the deep understanding they have about God. The deep understanding they have about their relationship with God. And if you look at the history of hymns, the reason I want to mention briefly the history of hymns, so that we appreciate what God has given to us. You see, before the Middle Ages, it was only sung by people in monastery. They call it Gregorian or plain songs where the the guys in the monastery, the priests, are the ones singing. But round about the 16th century, Martin Luther came out and wanted to encourage people to start singing. Thank God that was the invention of the um, press then. So they started printing these hymns. And as a result of that, people picked up on it. People like Isaac Watts as well picked up on it. The congregation must start to sing hymns. And then we have our own Charles and John Wesley, the Wesley brothers, who picked on it as well. And then by the time it came to the 19th century, you started having... Uh, new ways of singing hymns because hymns were composed as well in the, uh, in the 19th and 20th century. Now, I want to talk about redemption hymnal. <laughs> How can I not talk about redemption hymnal? That was the red book. <laughs> you know, when I was growing up, you have your Bible and you have the redemption hymnal. Those two things must go to church with you. Thank God nowadays we've got them on our iPads. We don't need to bring them to church. But if you don't, please bring it to church. And, and this is the so-called red cover. And it contains about 812 hymns, evangel- evangelical hymns. Now, I want to say this because I've got to be careful here. It wasn't written by the Apostolic Church alone. Okay, because we, we even call it the Apostolic Church Redemption Hymn. No, it was compiled by three of the main 
evangelical churches, Pentecostal churches, healing assemblies of God and their leaders and the apostles, three of them came together to compile this redemption illness. So that, and the trust is that because they have this evangelical trust to what they are doing, so they compiled it and then made it available. And the good thing is now you can get it online for free. And even you can press each song and it will play for you. And so please, let's get into it. And then you have the Methodist hymn, hymn book, and then which was later called the Hymns and Psalms, a Methodist and Ecumenical hymn book. Again, that was compiled as well by the Methodist Church. Now, why am I going through all this? I think we need to start encouraging ourselves to sing hymns. I was asking myself, how can we make this generation appreciate hymns, the deep knowledge and theology in hymns? Maybe we need to start singing it with them at home. Now, some of you parents, we say the children are not at home with them. Send them a link. Many of you have family WhatsApp. Send them the link to the song. Let them listen to it. Sometimes explain the background of the song because I'll tell you a story. When I was growing up, Sunday evening, I wasn't looking forward to it. I'll tell you the truth, because right about nine o'clock, my mom will force us to listen to classical music for half an hour. Then after the next half an hour, there will be songs of praise. Again, we are forced to listen. Now, I wasn't happy, but now I appreciated that for that. May God bless her, because, because we learned a lot. Because then I realized that this seems that people sing, and guess what, it's doing much of the day. That was painful, but God forgive her. <laughs> Moving on, but there were deep stuff. That was when I learned that the hymns were not just something somebody wrote. So let's look at some of the examples of the hymns I listened to. Amazing grace, how sweet that sound in a believer's ear. Now, what they would do before they sing the song, they would tell you some stories about how the song was written. Now, this was written by John Newton. Historian makes us to believe that he almost lost his life in a terrible storm up the west coast of Ireland. And then they say, in the midst of the storm, he cried out, God, have mercy and help me. Now, this was a slave master crying out for mercy. And they said, God heard his cry and he wrote that song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet Thou Sound. What about all hail the power of Jesus' name? Let angels prostrate fall. Now, this song was written by a man named Edward Peronet. And they said that he came to faith through the John Wesley ministry. But the reason why he wrote this song was that they said the man was so overwhelmed of the kingly power of Jesus that he saw Jesus as the king of the universe. Hallelujah. And he now penned down this song. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is that we need to come to that place as we read these hymns, as we sing them, of understanding what these people saw, that, look, God is king. Hallelujah. Now, what about this one by John, John, um, Charles Wesley? How can it be that I should gain an interest? Hallelujah. Gosh, these guys are deep. He my Savior's blood. How? Me, Charles. And they said he wrote it when he became saved, when he was thinking about the redemption work Christ did in his life. But then, moving on, one year after he became saved, he wrote another powerful hymn, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my Redeemer's praise. That was his anniversary. So it was 
He remembered when he got saved. And he was still blessing God. I just want to keep praising. How many of us wake up in the morning and praise God for salvation? It's as if we just, it's there. It's just there. No. Do you really understand the work Christ did for you? That you need to appreciate him every day through singing of hymns. Moving on swiftly. Take my life and let it be. Consecrated Lord to thee. Now, this was written by a lady called Francis Ridley Avogar. They said she went to a place, which is like a church building now. That place is a home now. She said she was unable to sleep. All night, she was just praising and worshiping God. And then she started, she said, look, there's a need to reconsecrate myself. And then she penned this hymn, take my life and let it be. Consecrated Lord to thee. How many of us have taken time out to do that? Just, you know, we've been Christian for a while. Just take time and say, God, I am rededicating my life to you. I'm reconsecrating myself to you. And so you can see how these people came up with this song. Oh, one of my favorite. It is well with my soul. Many of you may know this story. It was written by Rachel Gates Farford. He was a lawyer. And it happened that his children went on a transatlantic trip with the wife. Four daughters from between the ages of 12 and 18 months. And then he got a telegram from his wife. And she said to him, guess what? Guess what? She said, I alone survived. The girls are dead. And then when he was going to meet her, he was in the boat. And he started writing. When peace like a river attended my way. When shadows like sea billows. Whatever my lot that was taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Maybe for some of us, that's a song that we need to sing. I don't know what you're going through. You see, the reason why these things are powerful, it is well. It's a song of reassurance. A song of confidence in God. You know, the danger, you know, when I said I will sing, you know, some people have stopped singing. Though their mouths are moving, they've stopped singing because their hearts is not in it. They are saying, God, why should I sing? When I've just been laid off work, why should I sing, Lord? When I've just lost that deal, why should I sing, Lord? When the doctor just told me I've got this terminal illness, why should I sing, Lord? But this guy said, whatever my Lord, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. And then one of my, I would call it even family, greatest hymn. Great is thy faithfulness. Now, this was written by a chap called Thomas Chisholm. Now, he wrote it and then sent the song to a friend to help him put the tune, William Ruan. And this man, they said, after he looked at his life, towards the tail end of his life, he wrote, Great is thy faithfulness. Now, we're talking about holdings. What about mother hymns? One I love so much that brings tears to my eyes when I sing it is What a Faithful God. Have I. Hallelujah. The, Bible, the song goes like this. Lord, I come before your throne of grace. I find rest in your presence and fullness of joy. In worship and wonder, I behold your face singing, What a faithful God have I. And then it goes on in the chorus. What a faithful God have I. What a faithful God have I. Faithful in every way. Let's move on. Hallelujah. I want to tell somebody today, God is a faithful God. So let's look at spiritual songs. Spiritual songs. I always define spiritual songs as 
um, they're more general. They're inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not standing here as a judge. The Bible says, do not judge, but examine the fruit. Now, there are many music passing out now for Christian music. The rhythm is good. The beats are good. Even, unfortunately, there are some Christian writers who say, let's look out for popular beats in the Afrobeats world, in the pop world, and then change the words and put Christian songs there, Christian words there, and then let's get people dancing. I've got no problem with that. But the question we need to ask ourselves, are they meaningful? Are they theologically sound and right? I will tell you, I'll give you an example. Last night I was getting ready for church, and this guy said, Turn to your neighbor, the worship leader dancing there, ah, money shall locate you. So I asked a choir leader in my house, I said, is, is that theologically sound? Is that, are people were screaming. And it's not funny, please. We have to be careful. Some of the things we are listening to. I told you about the person who came to me and said, they're checking out their playlist now. Whether what they are listening to is theologically sound. Whether it's theologically right. I want to share a quote with you that comes from um, Calvin. He says this, We should be very careful that our ears be not, more, be not more attentive to the melody than our minds to the spiritual meaning of the words. You know, we can get carried away with the melody. Say, Such songs as have been composed only for the sweetness and delight of the ear are unbecoming to the majesty of the church and cannot but displease God in the highest degree. So let's not get carried away with all these, you know, jing-jing, bang-bang songs with no theological basis. It's just rhythm. But they, because the person who sang is a Christian, we say it's a Christian song, and then we start singing it in church. We want to sing songs that will move the soul that will make us understand God's greatness, that will make us respond to him in gratitude, that will make us understand that, yes, this God is great. I mean, when you hear something like, it is well with my soul, you can say to yourself, yes, it is well with my soul. And I put in the picture there a lady called Senach. Senach sang a song, Waymaker. She sang so many songs. The reason why I'm bringing out that song, Waymaker, because for spiritual songs, they must be spiritually inspired by God. That song, now as I'm speaking, I checked yesterday, 236 million people have viewed it on YouTube. It became the song of the decade. And for nine weeks, it was number one on the American billboard. And it's not a pop song. During the COVID era, that song became very popular as well. People listened to it because they were looking for a breakthrough. Because people were confused. And they named it said, this is the song of the decade. It's a spiritual song, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and point towards God, not towards man, not towards anybody, but towards God. So when should we sing? Ah, this is good. I will sing. In moments of deliverance, hallelujah. And David sang the songs to the Lord on the day the Lord has delivered him from the hands of all his enemies. When we have experienced God's good, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has been good. To me, hallelujah. When we acknowledge the wonders of God, sing to him, sing praises to him. Tell of his wonders. That's Psalm 105 verse 2. Offer sacrifice of praise. We sing hallelujah to God for love. We sing when he has seen us through life's challenges. We sing for joy. We display gratitude. For me, I sing in time of trouble. How many of us are ready to sing? In time of trouble. Remember the story of Paul and Silas. They started singing hymns and praises when they were chained. 
not when the chain fell off. It's easy to think, my chains fell off, now I am free. But when you are in that chain, when you are in that problem, are you able to sing? Are you able to sing to the Lord? When you're looking for that employment and it's not coming, are you able to sing? That's when we sing. You know, the simple answer to the question, when should I sing? Or when should we sing? Is when we have our being. When we are still living, we will sing. So why should we sing quickly? Number one, singing is a spiritual weapon. You know, sometimes we have prayed, we have fasted, and things is not moving. When we sing hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs, it can become a spiritual battle. When we start to sing and we say, this is how I fight my battle. This is how I'm more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Things happen. Now, many of you may be aware with the um, story in Second Chronicles chapter 20. I read from 21, just to paint that picture. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed to those who sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. As they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Now the story is that Jehoshaphat was worried about what's going to happen. Three kings have come against him. And a prophecy came, don't be afraid. God said he will fight their battle for them. Now, I was asking, if you read that text, there was nowhere in the Bible where the prophet told them, this is the strategy, put people to sing. No, he just gave him the word, God will fight your battle. People, God will fight your battle. And the next thing this man did, he just appointed people to sing, to go forward. And as they were singing, the Bible said, their enemies were defeated. So praise is a weapon. And when we sing those songs, let's sing it with meaning that I am more than a conqueror. In the name of Jesus, we have the victory. Who can tell what God can do? When we call on his great name, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. The only... The reason, again, another reason why we could sing is this. We can access the Holy of Holies. You see, when we worship God, hallelujah, we go to another realm. And I'm talking when the art is connected with the words. Hallelujah. The Bible says, draw near to God, and it will draw near. When you sing that, draw me nearer, nearer, precious Lord. You get close to God. A worshiper gets close to God. Hallelujah. The person who sings hymns. Psalms, the spiritual song, gets close to God. Moving on swiftly. When we sing hymns and psalms and spiritual songs, God's presence is manifested. Let me read 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13. The Bible says, Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house. Hallelujah. I pray that this will be a normal occurrence here. In the name of Jesus, that when we sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, the glory of God, we feel the place. When you do it at home as an individual or as a family, hallelujah, the glory of God will fill the place. Again, finally, when we sing 
hymns and psalms and spiritual songs, God comes to minister. Hallelujah. God comes to minister. And I pray God will minister to us as we continue to sing. Listen to what a theologian by the name Wayne Grundy said. During genuine time of worship, we will often experience an intensification of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, who is at work continually changing us into the likeness of Christ from one degree of glory to another. As we sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, the Holy Spirit comes and starts to transform us. Hallelujah. We are changed into Christ. So let me bring it to an end. I want to start with this quote. Singing is the highest form of human expression. What we can stand and must say quite confidently is the church which does not sing is not the church. A church that does not sing is not a church. This was a quote from the Reformed churches in America. And like I said, when it comes to singing, we need to be determined. We need to be intentional about it. That I will sing. Young people, you are not too young to sing. Some of you lost music so much. You lost music so much that even sometimes when you are studying, you are listening to music. I don't know whether you've seen your children do that. And you are worried for them. That how can they concentrate? And then they come up and they do well. So you just give up. I said, well, I don't understand the science behind that. But you can sing. Old person, you can sing. Young person, you can sing. And we must be determined to start singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Because as we sing them, I pray that we will win our spiritual battles. We will connect with God. We will go to a higher realm with God. I pray that we will come to that place where we are close to God. We can say, wrap me in your hands. And you can feel God's warm embrace in the name of Jesus. You know, Pastor Lockerday, when he was breaking bread, said something. He said, God will do something good for you today. Please rise with me. I've been talking about singing. Anna sang, I will sing even in my darkest hour. I want you to do a simple experiment. You're not praying right now. Even if you like, you can sing in your own local dialect. Just sing to God. If I believe in God for a breakthrough, just start singing to him. Sing whatever song God plays in your heart right now. Sing to him. And I pray that as you sing, you will see God coming through for you. You will know God's intervention in that situation. Is it healing that you are believing God? Declare that you are the Lord that healed me. Hallelujah. Is it breakthrough that you're looking for? Is it direction? Say, God, you are the way maker in the name of Jesus. Whatever you're believing God for right now, sing. Sing to him. Sing to him. Things may be tough for you. Sing to God. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching. You just listened to Pastor Edwin Bajamo of the Apostolic Church All Nation Centre in Kennington, London. Our address is 13 Tyres Terrace, Lambeth, London, SE11 5LZ. Call us on 020-7820-9917. Find us on the web at www.apostolic-anc.org. The All Nation Centre, reaching out into the community in practical and caring ways.